You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful, welcome, good morning, assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Thursday morning breakfast show with myself, Kayum, and joining me is Brother Asim Hashmi and Brother Shahil. Who will be joining us shortly? Good morning, Assalamualaikum, peace be on you, brothers. Assalamualaikum, how are you doing, Kuyam Sam? Always, 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 always good, man. In on this cold, chilly, chilly um, yeah. is it's mad day, mad, mad morning. It is, it is uh, minus two as we speak out there. Um, well, in this part of of London, um, but uh, the temperatures are varying. It is from minus two up to minus five. And, uh, and uh, you know, brothers uh, and sisters who are all the way in Glasgow are suffering or Scotland. Mm-hmm. It is minus nine. I feel for you guys. But uh, talking about Glasgow, uh, special uh, thank you and, uh, and uh, uh, um, uh, a peace beyond you to our, our listeners in Bradford, in Huddersfield, in Manchester, in, in Glasgow, um, in, in, uh, in where, else, where else are we? Because broadband, not broadband, DAB has expanded. We are being listened to in on DAB in so many different regions around UK now. That uh, I mean, we're international anyway. Yeah, yeah, we, we get yeah. we get we get uh, we have our listenerships uh, across the world. I mean, the last time, um, and I'm sure somebody will call and correct me. We were being heard in 44 countries around the world. That's um, correct. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's good to see the expansion of Voice of Islam, where people are able to catch us on DAB, so when they're driving to work or if they're dropping off kids or they're having breakfast. Yeah, if you're having breakfast, what are you having? What's the what's the breakfast in Bradford? <laughs> call me, give us a call. 0208-687-787. It would love to hear from you. Or you can join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK or join us via or throw us an email via our website on www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Um, as I said, the temperatures are varied. They are, I mean, and this it's going to stay cold, um, you know, anywhere between minus five and minus nine, between here and Glasgow. Um, the <coughs> the the uh, Met Office um, has, uh, um, uh, you know, released um, or advised drivers and people to be very careful. Like we always do on here, we always um, advise people: look, make sure that um, when you go out, you are properly dressed. It is, it, you know. Sometimes people get fooled by the sun, thinking, yeah, the sun is out, so it's not going to be that cold. All it takes is a few seconds to catch a chill. Um, and, uh, you know, you end up, um, you know, being stuck in bed for flu or cold or temperature. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I mean, it, it probably happens a lot of us, right? Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've all been there, you mm-hmm. know, we're thinking, oh, man, it's nice and warm out there. The sun is out, so it must yeah, be, yeah. It, it, it can't be that cold. Because you got to go out and see if it's cold or not. Yeah? Exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, in in addition to people who are going out, uh, drivers are being warned of risks as the Arctic blasts do begin. Motors are being advised to keep warm clothes, blankets and flasks of tea 
in their vehicles as a cold snap begins across the UK. The RAC said people driving in the frosty, icy conditions should prepare to keep warm in event of breakdowns, which are expected to surge this week. Um, temperatures, as I said, have uh, reached as low as minus nine overnight in the Scottish Highlands, um, minus six elsewhere within Scotland, uh, minus five in, in different areas in London, and here, as I said, is minus two. The government has triggered um, a £25 cold weather payment for eligible people in more than 300 postcodes. Um, the Met Office has revealed severe um, weather warnings uh, in, across the western and eastern coasts of England, um, in Northern Ireland as well. Um, and uh, it, the, the, the warning includes a yellow weather warning for snow and ice in places until noon on Friday. Um, that's for mainly in Scotland. A yellow warning has been issued for ice also in Wales and Northern Ireland, um, in East Midlands, East of England, North East, South West Scotland and the Loth uh, Lothian borders and Yorkshire and Humber. Um, these warnings um, are up, up and until midday today. Um, the snow is always, always, always here and uh, uh, it's just... Um, London kind of never really gets the settled snow because uh, it just doesn't. Uh, it's just so busy, and and mm. I think it's the either the pollution factor on on London that it doesn't get to settle, and it's I mean, very densely populated. I would love to see snow this year. Yeah, no. don't say that. <laughs> your, your words might come true. Yeah. <laughs> next time you're stuck in <laughs> next time you're stuck in snow, you're gonna be thinking, oh, I did wish that. Um, well, my work is uh, near anyway, so it shouldn't be a problem with me. Oh, so you're only thinking about yourself. <laughs> you want to see snow. Brother Asim has has uh, has aired his desire to see snow. I can see why. It is. It does look, um, uh, you know, it looks very nice when it's settled on, on you know, green and mm. parks and whatnot yeah, until, yeah. as you say, that snow turns into black ice. Oh yeah, and uh, and you know it, it would be good if we had the infrastructure to clear up the Absolutely, ice. Yeah. Unfortunately, Didn't we're not. About that. Yeah, exactly. We we are not in a position at the moment um, where the infrastructure is there to clear up the streets and the pavements. Mm. So if it does snow, um, you know, as you say that uh, you are London-based and want to see snow, when the black ice does form, grab a brush and a shovel. Make sure that the pavement outside <laughs> your and your neighbor's house is clean. I'm, I'm happy to help, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. It's good to hear that. Um, it is, you know, it, it is uh, also, you know, not not forgetting for the country we live in. This is a, a time for, it, it is winter, it is snow, and, and our Christian brothers and sisters also celebrate Christmas. Um, and, you know... Um, it is that also, in addition to that, where this is supposed to be a season of giving um, and a lot of uh, people out there who have this misconception about Muslims don't like Christmas trees and they don't like celebrating Christmas. We don't like uh, Christians it, uh, celebrating Christmas or give presents. It's, listen, believe me, this is Voice of Islam and we're telling you we have no problems in you putting up Christmas trees. We have no problem in you celebrating your faith in the manner which you feel is works for you. Um, what what we do do is that we look for you. We we look for similarities in how you give. We look for similarities in the spiritual side of um, of uh, of a season of goodwill, um, and 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 that's where we can join hands and we do things together. Um, and uh, but but there's always every year there's somewhere in the newspaper 
where some local authority or some organization uh, comes out with statements like, we didn't put up a Christmas tree because it would be offensive to the Muslims. Well, only 6% of this country is Muslims and 46% is Christian. And and to 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 uh, to levy this this accusation on Muslims that Muslims are the one who are spoiling Christmas for Christians, it's it's a misconception. I have yet to meet any Muslim, ever, and I'm born and bred Londoner, who has ever had an issue about anyone putting up a Christmas tree anywhere. And then when you do kind of dig into it, you always find out that it's always um, um, you know people um, who are not Muslims who have made a decision on behalf of Muslims, that Muslims might find it offensive that there's a Christmas tree standing outside in the town centre. Might, yeah. Uh, uh, they won't. Yeah. We live in a Christian country. Mm-hmm. No, we, I'm saying they said they might. Yeah, they might. They might exactly. Yeah. Why don't you ask the Muslim? Exactly. Yeah. You know, or speak to the Muslim. Mm. Extract. You want to speak to me? Give us a call. 0208-687-7878. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those mad mornings. Um, where where I, I I kind of was reading up on, uh, on on some of the crazy things that people and governments tend to do, and we had the COP26 in Glasgow where UK were the chairing party who kind of hosted the the COP. Um, uh, then we just had COP27, and there was this big hoo ha over you know um, um, the environment, protecting the environment, and then I come across this headline about how the UK government has uh, just approved yeah Michael Gove the I think he's the level secretary or whatever mm-hmm. he has just he has ignored the climate warnings from all of these places and he has approved the first coal mine in 30 years so a, 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 you know, coal is a substance it's a, which has been banned because it produces, you know, carbon emissions and this and that, and it pollutes the air and whatnot. And and it's not. And you know, we this country went through turmoil in the 80s because they closed down all the coal mines in the north, which devastated communities across uh, northern northern England. Mm-hmm. And now where he's just approved his first coal mine in 30 years. People tend to go gaga sometimes. They make the most craziest decisions. Talking about going gaga, I was, I was, uh, you know, reading uh, a couple of days ago. People do tend to do the the craziest things. Um, the Morocco winning uh, the the football team, the football team, uh, you know, and of course, you know, it's it's uh, it's good to see a country like Morocco, a North African Muslim country, absolutely, yeah, you know, going through to the quarterfinals, and you know, mm-hmm. once they beat Portugal, and they'll be also be the first country. Who will kind of go to you know the the semi-finals, um, but of course they if they go to the semi-finals, do they meet England then? If England was to pass, if England passes, if well not if when England beats France, which yeah, they will yeah, do, yeah, yeah. so they will meet uh, Morocco. Yeah, okay, that would be an interesting. Game. That would be interesting. But first, I need to beat Portugal. But the point I was making it wasn't about the football. It mm. was people already who are having children, are naming their kids after the goal, after the, the players who the scored the goals. Yeah. Oh, scored the goals. Yes. Okay, okay. And and uh, there's a few who have named their children after the goalkeeper. People do crazy things. They do, yeah. First, they start so I thought, let me read up yeah. on it. And then because of the, the, the season of Christmas, there are 50 people in UK 
who have named their children Turkey. There are some people who have named their children Sprout. Some people have named their children Eggnog. Can you believe that? In spirit of the season, that's like on Eid, me naming my child Bangan or Aubergine or Lassie. You know, it's or goat, Bakri. You know, it's like what? It's like what? What do? Why do people do these things? That's crazy. It is crazy, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> it's like you know, me me going. It's like me saying to you, "Ah, oh, son of a brother, I had a you know, pray for me. Had a child. Oh, you you said to me, what did you name him?' I said, "I named him Aubergine." <laughs> why would you do that? Or say, alaikum, I just had a Bakri." That's it. <laughs> I don't know. People do the craziest things. People do the craziest things. You know, naming kids. And again, the reason I, I, I joke about it, but people never think what they're going to be putting their kids through mm -hmm. <laughs> once, you know, these kids are eventually going to grow up to be adults. Or even when they're children, when they realize what their name is when they go to school. Can you imagine the bullying? It's like we are creating a mental health crisis for free. For free. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Man, the two topics we are going to be talking about uh, um, in the next 10 minutes, uh, starting with, uh, is uh, we're going to be talking about children. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, what uh, more can be done or what more should be done for the early development of children. We're going to be speaking to some professionals, some experts who are going to be shedding some light on the topic as well. Um, and uh, the latter part of the morning, we're going to be talking about will technology and artificial intelligence have an influence upon faith? We are living in a world of technology. We are living in a world where um, new um, innovations and progression within information technology is not, um, you know, there was a time when people used to wait months and sometimes even years for progression. Mm -hmm. Now yeah, yeah. it's like it's a daily basis. It Something is, yeah. new is coming every day. New development, new, 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 um, um, new innovations, new solutions, new remedies, more competition, um, more competition, and uh, you know it's uh, it it is it is something. Um, it is be it will be an interesting um, it will be an interesting topic uh, to discuss. But that will be in the latter part of the morning. But in the last few minutes, let's just quickly run through what the newspapers are saying to us this morning. Um, and uh, let's see, the Daily Mail is going on about um, something which will be affecting all of us. It's the beginning uh, to look like a Christmas general strike, festive chaos, uh, sorry, festive season in chaos as airport staff join railroad and ambulance walkout. Uh, teachers are balloting. I know the border force has already balloted. Um, and there will be travel chaos if you don't have immigration officers, if you don't have anybody on the airports. So, brother, I was, I was reading mm -hmm. that there's actually a strike every single day in December. Yep. How is that possible? Because it's because uh, the, the rail strike is going to be on certain days, and on the other days there will be other um, uh, strikes from other organizations which probably are not rail but mm. um, the teachers are going on strike mm. postal workers are going on strike so, so UK is going on a shutdown basically UK will go on a shutdown like it did um, in, in I think it was in the 80s that this is it, it was it was called the winter of discontent 
Um, the government has already um, said that the army will be taking over. Ambulance people, ambulance uh, drivers um, will be on strike. Oh, really? Nurses are going on strike. Mm. Doctors are going on strike. Mm. Teachers are piloting to go on strike. Mm. You name a profession. And then, you know, I mean, looking at it from the other side of the coin, there's, the, you know, we always talk about how, you know, striking is bad, which it is, is but but these people are striking not because they're choosing to. This is mm. the last resort. Yeah, yeah. Somebody was quoting some figures yesterday. 40,000 uh, 40, public sector workers, 40,000 public 40, sector 000, workers yeah. are, are uh, having to access food banks. No way. 40,000 public sector workers are accessing food banks. 45,000, in addition to that, 45,000 public sector workers have to rely on top up from the government. And they have to apply for social benefits in order to make ends meet. So, and, and you know, it's and UK nursing um, is the lowest paid profession in Europe in UK. Whereas if one was to think about it every time someone's ill, who's the person who looks it's after the you? the most important prof profession in UK. There you go. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, it's, it is, uh, it, there, there are arguments on both sides. Um, a lot of the papers are talking about Matt Hancock, how... Um, he is uh, he has decided not to run again uh, for his seat. Um, I think he's deciding to leave before he's pushed because his local constituents uh, do not want him uh, representing them. Uh, as I said earlier, the Guardian go uh, the Guardian has uh, started with Gove ignores climate warnings to approve first coal mine in 30 years. Um, <clears throat> the Daily Express and and a lot of the other tabloids are leading the stories with the. Uh, uh, with the, with the Netflix documentary with the Meghan and and Harry and that's just another palaver. But talking about going crazy, um, Germ in Germany, three thousand police officers, three thousand police officers uh, fought off a coup, a um, a right wing extreme racist coup where. Um, they arrested 35 people who are from the armed far-right terror group. It was a terrorist organization and where, which had links with the, well, it's, it's called, uh, uh, I think it's, it's Henry Reich Thirteenth. He is an aristocrat from East Berlin and uh, um, it was an armed plot to storm Germany's parliament um, overthrowing the government and installing a new far-right regime, um, which was thwarted by the by by, by this very organised, um, uh, you know, uh, attack on these guys by the German police. Mm -hmm. They were so organised that they had already appointed um, people in certain positions of chancellor, foreign minister. Now, th there's a funny side of it. You think these people are nuts that they're doing this, but they are so organized and and so interlinked with um, far-right extreme ideology across USA, across Europe, in and in other parts of the world. Um, and they had people like judges on their, on the judges and uh, um, ex-military. Ex um, they found, um, a, a, you know, an assortment of weaponry um, on these, on these guys. Um, you keep up with the with the German news, uh, uh, Shahil. Um, what what did you read up on this? So these people, Reichsburger. These people are called Reichsburger. Reichsburger are those 
who lived uh, in the time when Germany was a kingdom, and they have dreamed to have the same Germany as it used to be before the First World War. It was much bigger. Parts of the Eastern Europe countries would be uh, in that kingdom as well. And uh, they, they are dreaming to have that particular Germany again. And of course, they planned everything, um, especially during the lockdown, they uh, have started um, recruiting people. And uh, they were unfortunately very successful by recruiting police officers, military people, retired police officers, retired soldiers, etc. And also people from the section where you would think that these people would never uh, go in this way, like people who are knowledgeable. So they were prepared, they had even their own passport, they had their own plans. Yes, that's right, the currency as well, wasn't it? Yes, the currency, everything which you used be like for, before the First World War during the Kingdom, they would have this, they would even have a plan who would be the Chancellor, etc. And they planned, uh, to, uh, as I said, it was everything planned, they had uh, people in different places in Germany, ready to go and to overturn the uh, government by um, kidnapping free ministers as well, by demanding the chancellor to step down. And they were ready to, even they said that they were ready to kill people if the government would not listen to them. And uh, These people are very dangerous in the sense that uh, to basically to overtake a government or to rule over a country only because you are not happy right now with the situation. As I said, that Germany is not ruled by the German Chancellor, it's more merely ruled by the uh, West, like America and other big and dominant countries. And they said that they want to end this as well. So they have to say, on thinking, you know, um, they believe that even Joe uh, Biden is not the president of America, someone else is basically telling him what to do. They don't believe in the Holocaust as well. Um, so nuts. Yeah, people are going crazy. Mm. Um, far right extremism is something we've spoken about for for a good couple of years now because populism and and far right extremism kind of go hand in hand if you look around the world. Um, and yet it is something that I think everybody should be aware of. Um, and and uh, you know knowledge is power. So the more you know, um, not just for for your own protection, but also for the protection of people around you, it is the responsibility of all of us to know what is happening out there. As much as we joke uh, and, and have a laugh on, on on these kind of news, but there, there is a serious uh, element uh, to, to, to such ideologies, um, far-right extremism. And, and the, the positive side, I look at it, is how German government have kind of been very, very organized in tackling such far-right extremism because there's loads of governments around the world who just choose to ignore it and and they don't even recognize that there is far-right extremism um you know which is uh, which is affecting um people uh, communities like uh, you know how many times have we spoken of islamophobia um and and how many times have we talked about how such ideologies um you know breed hatred um, it yep. creates um, hatred in, in people's minds about religions, about communities, about cultures that people don't generally know anything about. Um, we are coming up to 7.30. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Um, it's Thursday morning, uh, coming up to 7.30. You're listening to me, Kayum, and joining me today is Brother Asim and Brother Shahil. We're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go on to our first topic of the morning, which is, should, be, should more be done? 
for the early development of children. Do stay tuned. Grab yourself a cup of coffee. And send, send, and if you're going to have some breakfast, you know, send it my way. We'll be right back after a short break. A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion, and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum. Joining me, Brother Asim and Brother Shahil. Brother Asim, what is the gist of this topic that we are going to be discussing for the next hour or so? So, um, the gist is that the Princess of Wales has expressed her concern for the early development of children and how not enough is being done for children in the first five crucial years of their life. She wishes to shine light on this issue and create a happier and healthier society for future generations. What can be done in the UK and around the world to ensure that our children are given the strongest standing on the planet from the moment they are born? Now, before we go into uh, a discussion between ourselves, let's let's kind of um, go to our first guest of the morning who will kind of be able to put a bit more um, expertise um, into, yeah. in, into this topic. So let's go and talk to our first guest, which is... Alexander Malhal, who is the clinical director and therapist at the Child Development Centre London and founder of the Kinship app. Good morning, welcome, assalamu alaikum, and peace be on you, Alexander. Assalamu alaikum, good morning. Morning, thank you for taking time out and uh, coming on to the show this morning. Um, do you believe enough is being done for children with neurodevelopmental disorders um, to help their development into adult lives? And why do you believe this? Okay. Um, well, look, will it ever be enough when people are suffering? Uh, hmm. it's, uh, it's a big question. And I guess it's difficult to discuss using the broad term of neurodevelopmental disorders as they vary so greatly in need and, and severity. Um, but generally talking about the umbrella of neurodevelopmental delay, uh, although the foundation set up by the Princess of Wales is an incredible start, uh, no, I don't believe there is enough being done. And as to why, mm, if we look at the latest report from the NHS in March 22, um, there were 103,000 odd patients with an open referral for suspected autism. And this is an increase of, that was an increase of 39% hmm. compared with April 21. So that's a, that's a 39% increase. Now, what's the difference between, and, 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 and I, I declare an interest here, I am a father of autistic uh, child. And when my child was young, I was told global developmental delay and we don't know much about it. I mean, I'm going back 28 years ago. Yep. Is that the same as neurodevelopmental disorder? In a, in a, in a, in a way, yes. I mean, look, we are, we're dealing with a huge variant of complex um, difficulties that are presenting in a myriad of ways and have a myriad of root causes. Mm -hmm. So... Whereas if we if we akin it to say um, IBS, it's an umbrella term for yep. a host of difficulties. And you know, recently we increased the umbrella term for autism spectrum disorder or global developmental delay to encompass other uh, learning difficulties that we have termed previously as dyslexia and dyspraxia. Yeah. So it's it's it is difficult to talk about such a wide ranging topic because there are so many root causes. Um. <clears throat> Sorry, um, Alexander, I just want to know that you said that there's an increase of autistic uh, and uh, these. I just want to know, is, uh, did lockdown uh, play a big role into that as well? Uh, yes, I, I believe so. 
I, I really do believe so. I think if you look at the um, the foundation set up by the Princess of Wales, uh, she and her team have a great comprehension of how the early years, the very early years, can set up for um, different neuronal development of the brain, um, so altered development. And lockdown provided uh, a very unusual scenario. We had a lot of families under great stress, great pressure. Um, and if that led to neglect, or poor lifestyle habits, um, you know, or difficulties in the family, trauma, arguments, disagreements, then that will absolutely have contributed to a greater, greater potential um, presentation of these issues. So, uh, Alexander, um, how can we raise awareness about these issues? I think the most important message to convey is that bad behaviour is almost always first and foremost kind of a sign of suffering rather than malice um, and that's quite a helpful understanding because it encourages empathy and compassion when we see someone with difficulty but i think actually of greater importance than raising awareness is is the education of the potential root causes and not just the current focus on symptomatic treatment um alexander it, just to take one step back uh, based on the question that was asked by my brother here, Shahil, about the the, the effect that uh, pandemic had, mm -hmm. the treatment of how children are treated over a period of time and delays because of disability or medical reasons, isn't, isn't there a danger that at the moment they're not separated and they're, they're kind of all spoken about in 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 the same term absolutely absolutely and 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 if by that you mean that we're trying to find a solution for Is yes that, that's right I, that's right yeah. Correctly? yeah yeah uh, yeah absolutely i mean the the root as i said it's a very large umbrella term the root causes are hugely varied i mean we could be talking about neglect um yeah. Uh, observation of trauma between arguments uh, between your parents. We can talk about environmental pollution, uh, diesel particulates. We can talk about infections, um, and of course, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of news about mold at the moment due yes. to the tragic loss mm -hmm. of a That's right. Shark. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, and you know, so it, it there is no one answer to this right now. It's a large, complex societal issue that we're seeing growing in severity. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, uh, what type of uh, disorders do children suffer from and how uh, do they prevent them from progressing in society? Um, well, as we, as we noted, disorders vary hugely from yes. uh, yeah. you know, just a slight inability to read to mm -hmm. perhaps more extreme behavioural fluctuations that uh, elicit societally undesirable responses. But both have a significant impact. Um, Let's take the issue with reading, for example. If you if you if you if you have a issue reading, you you only get access to currently quite basic levels of information, and academia becomes challenging. Um, or if you struggle with crippling anxiety and behavioural fluctuations, perhaps so severe that you are even selectively nonverbal, your ability to interact with nearly nearly every aspect of our current society is is almost eradicated. Um, or even early life neglect, as we were talking about. Uh, maybe, you know, parents are, I mean, the financial pressures are 
very, very heavy on all of us yes. nowadays. And so, you know, with both parents required to, you know, be perhaps working and not having enough time to pay the full attention that our kids and developing brains re require, that seeming neglect for the child can lead to a subconscious understanding which leads to a potential lifetime of belief you are unlovable and perhaps don't quite fit in. Um, Alexander, <coughs> you are the clinical director and therapist at the Child Development Centre in London, right? Right, yeah. I uh, just want to know that how your organisation help children struggling with disorders? Um, well, at the CDC, we are, um, well, we, we assess the person, the family and their environment. Um, and we actively seek to recover, well, to uncover and discover root cause issues that are contributing to um, whatever form of developmental delay we're seeing. And then we act with appropriate therapies, which we have learned um, work with those presenting issues. But every case is different. Um, but I actually think that there's a larger modern habit and environmental issues that contribute to all forms of mental health and developmental delay we're seeing today. So whereas the foundation set up by the Princess of Wales for zero to five years of age, and correctly so, is, is fantastic and a huge step forward. Um, you know, we focus on the years after this age range, and these are the years I kind of call the, the forgotten years. Um, and so for that, we've been building our app called Kinship, which is due to launch mm. in January, which is kind of a, uh, it's a modern life manual for, for support for modern families. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, Alexander, um, now those toddlers or children who are late speaker, do you think this is also this disorder that they haven't uh, developed that level of speaking yet? And what advice, advice would you give to parents who, who are just scared that the child hasn't started speaking yet or is still not developing the same words as it should be? Well, first of all, for those parents, my sympathies go out because it can be an incredibly unsettling and, and, and worrying experience. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, well, I, I'll answer it indirectly first, if I may. The CDC... Um, as in not our CDC, the Child Development Center, but the CDC, uh, the Center for Disease Control in the States, mm -hmm. in the United States of America, they just pushed back their developmental milestones by one year. So that means the things that we previously expected as development at two, we're now expecting today, we're now expecting at three. And that's very much in part to these environmental factors that we're talking about. And that's very much one of those things where delay delayed speech is becoming far more prevalent. Now, if we take an overview of our current society, I think we can all acknowledge that we are perhaps often a little too engaged with our devices or the amount of information that is able for us to assimilate today. For those parents, my, um, my biggest message is, you know, don't presume that kids will just grow out of these things, mm. take action um, and try and give your child as much attention as you can attention interaction attention interaction mm -hmm. attention interaction and try and see seek help um alexander one one final question um you talk about um uh, you know the setting up of the the child development center and the therapy that's provided to parents and and you know one thing i always sometimes you know wonder is that there isn't enough um support out there not i mean we always talk of the parent and we talk of the child or the or the young adult but we never talk of their siblings who grow mm. up um with them um and and there is never enough support um provided to ensure that there is um, ample understanding but i kind of want to go 
one step beyond that. When when you talk of therapy and when we look at solutions, do we do we ever look at solutions which are outside the box, um, which maybe are from um, you know from uh, from a herbal point of view, from a from a alternative medication point of view, things like um, you talked of autism earlier. Um, and as I said, I, 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 you know, conflict of interest because I have a, I have a child with autism, and and uh, you know, when as a parent, when your first child and and when you're told of that uh, something that your child might be suffering from, you think, okay, let me go and find out. And you come across so many different things from around the world, where one organisation kind of eliminates um, a, a possible remedy that's being suggested by someone else, and from a parental point of view, there's no definitives. So do you, how do you qualify when you give therapy to parents of what they can, can't follow? I mean, as I said, I, I looked into gut therapy. I looked into Chinese medication. There's herbal medication. There's homeopathy. There are so many different things. Do, do, is your therapy holistic or is it medical-based? Uh, so our therapy at the Child Development Centre is holistic. We are a complementary therapy centre, awesome. um, which allows us to, you know, look at new and emerging therapies and work them in and use a structured approach to assess uh, results and engagement and always give an option to be clear with our clients whether they know with what we're doing is slightly new and, you know, a little bit uh, less less rigorously tested. We don't... You know, there are so many potential things out there and it's very interesting in the way that therapies work that we can't just we can't just uh, absolutely certify that. Of course. No, <laughs> one, I, I fully appreciate that. And, yeah. And, and, not, yeah. And, and how I mean, when I did some, you know, again, a parental research, we, we tend to be a little always a step behind maybe countries like New Zealand, Australia, even the United States. When it comes to these things, is that the, the real case, or are we kind of uh, catching up, or even leading in this in particular field? Mm, good question. I am not sure that I have enough information on that to give you a, mm -hmm. a short answer. No I'm problem. Honest. Not I problem. think um, I think the the model of of healthcare that we have in the UK is amazing and a huge benefit. However, um, it is. You know, it, as we know, funds are stretched, and uh, it's, uh, it's it's difficult to look at preventative medicine yep. when uh, we are struggling to cater for reactive medicine. No problem at all, Alexander. I want to thank you for taking time out and joining us on the breakfast show this morning. I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you, sir. And and you both. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Alexander, that was Alexander Mulhall, who is the clinical director and therapist at the Child Development Centre um, and founder of the Kinship app. Um, gentlemen, very interesting. Um, I know we're going to go on to our next guest uh, shortly. Or do we have our guest next guest with us? Um, not yet. Not yet. Um, you know, one thing I just want to say that um, radio silence, gentlemen. <laughs> radio silence. You know, one second of radio silence is 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 the death of radio. Is radio oh, silence? The, the whole show is just just flop. No, no. <laughs> Restart the show now. We have to. You're listening to the breakfast show with Wasofki, brother Shahel, and brother Asim, and we are talking about are we are we doing enough? 
um, um, from uh, from a perspective of uh, child development. And we just heard um, Alexander Malho, who gave us um, some fantastic um, information about the therapy um, that is uh, uh, that is available out there. And uh, um, for 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 parents, um, um, you know, who can access uh, these facilities, um, who are maybe. Um, who are maybe going through these uh, challenges with their children, um, with some of the, like some of the examples that Brother Shahil gave of, of uh, speech delays, um, or uh, um, you know, or could be and so many other challenges, be it on the autistic uh, autistic spectrum disorder, be it on aid. There's so many. There's there's ADD, there's ADHD, there's AHD. So many, so many different um, uh, challenges that parents are facing nowadays. And of course, as Brother Shahil and uh, mentioned and and, and uh, it was confirmed by um, our guest Alexander that uh, um, that uh, you know the pandemic had um, uh, a role to play in 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 the in in the reasons behind some of these challenges. We do have our next guest with us now. We've got with us Professor Jane Burrell, who is an associate teaching professor in the nutrition science and food studies program at. Uh, Syracuse University. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist and is vested in promoting healthy eating uh, behavior starting in early childhood. She teaches courses on nutrition in health, lifespan nutrition, sports nutrition, Mediterranean food, and cultural and medical nutritional therapy. Good morning. Uh, welcome. Assalamualaikum and peace be on you, Professor Burrell. Uh, good morning. Thank you. Um, firstly and foremost, thank you so much. I know it is some crazy time where you are, <laughs> and I just want to thank you for taking time out uh, for us for the breakfast show. Um, Professor, could you, um, I mean, do you believe enough is being done to promote good nutrition in early childhood? And what more can be done? But before the can be done, what is the damage we are causing with the way we are practicing certain nutritional practices at the moment? Right. That's a great question and a big question. So, of course, um, we're not doing enough. There's more that can be done always. And when I think of child nutrition, I always think of it's a cycle. So we really have to consider um, the health of our moms first mm -hmm. because healthy moms have healthy babies and healthy babies become capable students and productive adults. So... Uh, we can look at this from, you know, the, a big perspective and say that we have plenty of kids that are well-nourished. We have uh, lots of kids that are, are overnourished and some that are undernourished. So clearly there's, there are things that we can do here. And one of the big focuses we're hearing around the, the world now is food security and how do we address that, making sure that, um, you know, food, food is a right and our people and families, especially struggling after the pandemic, getting enough nutritious food. Um, we tend to see that um, poor quality food is less expensive, more accessible, mm. especially to those that are struggling financially. Um, I, just, I just want to ask uh, one question. Like, mm -hmm. you know, some parents, they are struggling with their children because some children, they want just candy, chocolate, not ready to eat any fruits, mm. etc. What advice can you give to those parents who are struggling with that? Yes, this is such a common problem, especially during the toddler years. These are really known as the picky years. And so um, we really need to help parents understand that this is just normal part of development. 
that they are fearful of new foods. And it's really a long game. It's not just what happens at one meal, but um, I very much encourage parents to think about their own eating behaviors. Mm. They are the first models that their kids are seeing. They also are the ones that are providing those candies and um, sweets and savory foods that you're mentioning. So we need to think about what's available routinely and what's available and kids become used to, they eat. So that starts with what's at home. Are there fruits? Are there vegetables? Mm. Are there whole grains? We have less uh, refined and processed foods and more naturally occurring foods. Thank you very much, Professor. So, uh, Professor, an important question is that uh, what does good nutrition look at look like at this age and uh, what comprises a good healthy diet? Right. So when we say this age, we're, we're talking about young children. Yeah. So starting them, you know, if, if I focus on those toddler and preschool years, it's really the same food that adults eat. They just need smaller quantities of it. So when I say what comprises a, a healthy meal, we're talking about having fruits and vegetables. And these should even be at snack times. I think snack time is a missed opportunity to have nutritious foods. It ends up being packaged and marketed food. But um, having those routinely. So things that kids naturally enjoy fruit. So just offering those regularly in place of sweets is a great um, way to, to get in more nutrients, more vitamins, more minerals, more fiber. Um, and then think about family meal time. Um, are we having a variety of food groups there? Great time to get in vegetables, food sources of protein that can be either animal or plant-based. Um, and then low-fat dairy, important, or um, plant milks as a substitute if um, people are, are not choosing to consume um, dairy itself. Um. Yeah, just one uh, another question. Um, as you said, as you know, we we're going through a crisis, uh, mm -hmm. and f you said before that healthy food is much expensive than non-healthy food, mm -hmm. and not everyone can unfortunately afford that. So, what? How can right. we make good nutrition more affordable to families, especially with those uh, with low-income households? Oh, absolutely. This is always a concern. So I think about. Um, this that we can have um, nutritious food that is less expensive, which just requires education of, for those families. So we can look at alternative sources of protein that are inexpensive, such as beans and legumes, and mm. complementing those with grains are very affordable, pretty shelf stable, and can go a long way. Um, I encourage things, and you know, it doesn't always have to be the the most expensive fruit or vegetable, but things that are in season, even using frozen fruits and vegetables um, that are less likely to go to waste um, are, are important ways. And that's like on the personal household level, then we can think of policy level and what is done to subsidize or reduce the cost of these more nutritious foods. And that has, that's a, a longer game, but probably more important to make them more accessible. Um, finally, Professor, how how would you encourage uh, families to to kind of not just practice it as a one-off, but make it like a way of life? Um, mm. How nutrition becomes a way of life. Right. I think it's it has to be a perspective change. Number one, um, 
the, the other thing that I just want to add here, I think is very important that we need to, as an, um, you know, as a, a nation or wherever we're representing, we need to be supportive of parents and encourage them. Everyone's yeah. trying to do well. Um, and I think that there's a lot of sort of blame put out there that parents aren't doing a good job. And that's, that's really the wrong message. Every parent wants to do well for their child. So helping them, you know, with information. So how could they, you know, uh, look at this in the, the long run. We want healthy kids. If we educate them about the importance of these nutritious foods and physical growth and that letting their kids be successful students, all of that goes a long way. Um, no, I agree with you. I think uh, we tend to focus more on the negatives than the positives. And there, mm -hmm. th there's always that much lack of awareness when it comes to um, the nutrition of our children. Um, Professor Jane Burrell, I want to especially thank you again for uh, for waiting up uh, for us at uh, this crazy hour where you are. Um, uh, um, I want to thank you for um, coming on to the show. I wish you a fantastic evening ahead. May peace be with you. Uh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Professor Jane Burrell, I think it's 2.45 a.m. where she is. Well, it could be, yeah. Um, or oh, around three-ish. And you just walk off for into it and very amazing and one thing which she has said the beginning is that parents are the first role model and uh, to be honest um, parents uh, even elder people should look after the nutrition as well and children they will just copy what they do I mean when she said that if we, if we eat chocolate or if we take out a bottle of coke in the morning and drink in front of our children they would do the same especially or, or even if uh, it could be anything, it could be even ice cream, and so people I've seen people, especially those who have toddlers, they're struggling with these things. That I've like when I pick up my son from from the nursery, the first thing the children will ask their parents is that uh, do you have any candy, do you have any chocolates, etc. And this is happening, and you could see that our children are not aware of these things. They think it's tasty. But if, you, if they develop that habit to only to eat junk food or um, sweet candies, etc., this will harm them, and this is very dangerous. Um, I think um, the parents they should be more advised to that as well. I think they know, but it's just you know they should be disciplined then in that moment when they have a child not to do these things, not to eat these things. I mean, there's no harm in having some candy, you know. Uh, we should always keep some, a some yeah. yeah, keep keep a balanced diet, moderation. Yeah, no, it's That's good, but, but, but you need to understand. You didn't understand my point. I'm saying that children are copying you. This is what Islam says as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, they will copy you if you eat uh, um, chocolate in the morning or if you eat co drink coke in front of them. They would do the same. Of course, Islam has said the balance, but Islam said that go take vegetable, go take meat. This is what balance means in Islam. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, us, it's, it's an era of um, takeaway, you know? But in reality, look, um, you're, a young, you're a young parent. In, in reality, you know, to, to, to ever think that you will be able to take sweets away from children is a unrealistic notion. Impossible, yeah. And so, so hence where the Islamic uh, um, um, tradition of moderation, because sweets is also part and parcel yeah. of celebrations. Mm -hmm. It's part and parcel, not just culturally, but religiously or within societies. 
um, sweet is something that one shares. Mm-hmm. But again, it's quantity and yeah. it's time. Quantity matters, um, yeah. And, and it's obviously the kind of sweet that, uh, you know, one shares as well um, is, is very important. And, Jail, your point of, of copying is 100% correct. Children will mimic. That is just the way children, that's just the psyche of children. Mm-hmm. You can tell them, it's like, um, you know, with children, it's it's not oh, do as I say and not do as I do. It's the total opposite. They will do as you do. I mean, uh, from personal experience, mm-hmm. my my daughter is two, mm-hmm. and uh, I will just like I will just be talking to my wife, you know, mm-hmm. not knowing that she she can even understand. Yeah, and she she will just copy a word. Yeah, and we'll be like, wow, this, this, we because be they careful. copy. Yeah. You are listening to The Breakfast Show on Thursday morning with myself, Kayoum, Brother Shahil and Brother Asim. We are coming up to the eight o'clock, coming up to the hour. When we come back, we're going to carry on uh, with this topic. Uh, so do stay tuned. Grab yourself a cup of coffee. Have some breakfast, some um, beans on toast, is it? Or is it uh, avocado with uh, green chili peppers? Or is it halwa puri? Or is it bratha for you, Shahil? Salmons. Oh, salmons. That's a new. Salmon. Do stay tuned and join us back after the news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kinyu, and Brother Shahil and Brother Asim. And the topic of the morning is are we doing enough for child development? I mean, I mean it's good, it's, it's an interesting topic, and, and uh, both of you are young, young fathers. Um, if I, if from 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 someone like me, different generation where my children are older than you guys, what's the? F- I mean, the fears we had because of, say, thirty years ago in development, I think you guys have more pressure, more challenges. Do you, what's what's the fear of of young of young parent, I mean, parenthood in today's day and age? Diseases. Okay. African Christ, we were in a lockdown. Viruses and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know about drugs, etc. It's mm-hmm. unfortunately everywhere. But mostly what I'm is that um, education uh, is uh, not playing a big role in children because they are much more focused on becoming social media stars. Mm. I'm not joking. It's the truth. I've seen it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's a big, big problem. Um, to be, be influenced and then trying to be an influencer, and then when you see that you can't be an influencer, that you just it, people give become up. addicted. Uh, addiction, yeah. But what about you, Asim? I mean, it's uh, mostly social media as well. Uh, we, we won't know what they're actually doing on social media hmm. unless if you have like the account and. But you an should, eye. shouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, we should. I mean, what's and your take on that? I mean, a lot of parents kind of. Uh, they they clone their children's phones um, just to make sure that they keep an eye on what their children are doing. Might and and a, a lot of that. a lot of a lot of parents nowadays in this day and age say, "Oh, that's an infringement of their privacy." I mean, is it? What, what's your take on that? Be because on, that's part and parcel of the upbringing, isn't it? It is. It is. Well, to be honest, um, uh, you should be a friend of your child, and the child should be able to. Uh, 
tell you everything. If you have that relationship with the child, I think you will never struggle with these things. No, but if you tell your child, look, uh, everything you're going to do, I'm going to be able to see. I'm not saying doing it behind your back, but tell them. That yeah, no, that, that, you're, that, you're that's going to be That's important that you should, uh, the children should know that the, someone is watching what yeah. you're doing. And it's important because, you know, in social media, it's not only nudity. Uh, we had this social media um, challenge where children, I don't know if they took part in the challenge and few children even uh, died because of that challenge. So it is dangerous as well. Yeah. So uh, child, uh, there should be someone who's watching and t should tell them that no, you shouldn't, shouldn't do that, you shouldn't watch that, you should. And social media is a part of life, you can't get yeah, rid of it. you can't get rid of it, no. But you can take good of it. You can, you can, you can put deterrence in place. Mm -hmm. And there should be no better deterrent than, you know, uh, well, one who's responsible is the parent. We, we tend to, we kind of tend to blame, um, and it was the same in our days, not that it's changed with, with your generation, that parents always tend uh, to either sometimes blame, there was always somebody else to blame. No, it's, it's easier to blame, basically. Yeah. It's so easy. If you know, but it's your children. Of course, yeah. No, but I think the major role is also the what relationship you have with a, with a child. Hmm. If you, th child think that you are like his mentor, if boss, uh, someone who's watching over you, then obviously he would not. You would have that same uh, relationship. But if you think he's, that his father or mother is a friend, mentor, someone who really cares for him, he or she will go to them and will ask different questions. And then obviously um, they won't have anything like they won't bother if someone is checking on them, someone is watching them, someone is checking the mobile uh, mobile numbers they have or what account they have on social media sector. Uh, they just need someone, they think, okay, he's actually very cool, cool to me. I'm using the word cool because this is what children are looking mm -hmm. for. They want yeah. cool parents. I mean, they they want someone, okay, if, if my father's picking me up, they want to be telling their friend, look, this cool guy, he's my father. This, uh, I'm, I'm honest, cool, being cool is playing a big role in the life of children as well. They want to be cool, but they want also have someone who's cool with them as well. There's a, you know, I, I find it interesting, and I think you're 100% correct, that, uh, you know, that the relationship you build with your child is is, is paramount. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it just reminds me, and I'm sure both of you will correct me, there, 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 I recall there's, um, there was a companion of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, um, who mentioned that he had 10 children, but he had never, yeah. he, in fact, he, he saw the Holy Prophet yeah, yeah. Um, kiss his grandson. Yes. And he said, well, I've got 10 children and I have never kissed them. And I, and please correct me here. Um, my understanding is that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that he was the most unfortunate father or some something of he, uh, something akin to he that. He said that if, you, if you're not showing mercy on someone else, Allah will not show mercy unto you. And that's so powerful, isn't mm. it, though? Yeah, yeah. That, 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 you know, say that again. If you don't show mercy on someone else, Allah God, He will not show mercy on you. Sir. I mean, you know, it's it's showing love is akin to mercy, isn't it? And and it who else would you show mercy and and love to? Your children. Exactly. I mean, mercy is more like mercy includes everything: it, it, love, uh, friendship, etc. And yeah. if you don't show that to your child, your child, um, he will he will never come to you. You will never feel safe. That's to be right. honest, he won't, he won't save to you, standing with you. He would be even, I think, scared or maybe ashamed as well. Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's our job to take care of our children, you know. As the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said that each of you is a shepherd and each of you is responsible for his flock. Mm -hmm. The ruler is a shepherd and is responsible for his flock. 
A man is the shepherd of his family and is responsible for his flock. A woman is the shepherd of her husband's household and is responsible for her flock. So this basically shows that it is our responsibility to take care of our household, of our children. Every role has a has a responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 you know, and parenting is is a. It's not easy. Is a. What what think of it? Parenting is the beginning of, uh, you know, the the people who these children are going to be the future in society, the future leaders. Mm -hmm. So, the parenting of these children is paramount. No, it's it, it, for example, now we talk about social media and about bad habits of social media, right? Um, we can do so many things for the children as well. Go engage with them, go out with them. If not, then, then just play PlayStation. That would be enough as well. You know, somewhere, as I said, where the child would think, oh, he's basically not my father. He is, but he's more my, like my best friend. I can share everything with him. Engage with him, go out with him, go have like, uh, I don't know, go hiking with him if you have to go. Or um, go play football outside. Uh, sh sh go um, show them, if if you need to show them some matches as well, just to engage with the child, be be busy with the child as well. I know you, you're playing PlayStation with your, with yeah. your son as well. I don't know who's, I hope you are winning when you play. No, no, he's, he is wiping the floor with me. Yeah. In FIFA? I get FIFA, of course. I, I listen, if I win a match after every 50th attempt, okay. I'm happy Good. because that's the deal. If he beats me 49 times and I win the 50th, I have beaten him 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very funny. That's good. But this is the thing, you know, at least you are engaging with the child. And you have to. Level. And it's important. Yeah, um, I was like a month ago, I was listening to an interview of Shaquille O'Neal. Yes, and the way he is parenting is different. That's the, the basketball. Yeah, the basketball. Yeah. But it's very amazing. He said to uh, to his child, children, that listen, if you want like my money, then uh, at least give me a degree. With hmm. the man, go to school, go to university. He set something. his goals. Yeah, he set his goals. You want my money? I want two degrees from you. He said, I need at least two degrees. Two degrees, yeah. yeah. Two degrees. I can't remember the other one, but one degree was uh, good education uh, to be, uh, uh, be in this uh, university, to get your degree from the university as well. But not only setting his goal, but also, you know, engaging with them, giving the environment, sitting down with them, checking the homeworks, okay. And then, of course, ha having fun with them as well, making sure that homework is also fun. I mean, I've seen, I've seen a lot of celebrities who have done this. I mean, even Cristiano Ronaldo told his son, you will not get an iPhone or a phone only to call you mother because you think your father is rich and can buy you anything. Don't think that. You need to stand up for yourself. You need to work onto that. Show them how society basically is, but show them in a good way. You know, wisdom is a key word. Use your wisdom. Use it and show them, show the children, but also be a good friend to them. I mean... Parenting is not all about to be bossy or, or to be strict. I think it's more than to be their friend. Uh, uh, as the Prophet, peace be upon him, he would have fun with his grandchildren. He would play with them. And this is very important as well, that play with them, um, get them engagement, other uh, stuff as well. Not only social media, not only mobile. There are so many things we can take benefit of it. Let's go and listen to an interview um, uh, we did uh, with uh, Christina Moffat. Uh, uh, Dr. Tina Moffat is a uh, associate professor in the Department of Anthropology at uh, McMaster University. Her areas of interest are the social and cultural detriments of diet, nutrition and food insecurity with a focus on maternal, 
child health and immigrants. Her research perspectives are grounded in biocultural and political economic approaches in the geographic areas of Canada and Nepal. Um, her new book is her new book is called Small Bites: Biocultural Dimensions of Children's Food and Nutrition. We had the opportunity, or one of our colleagues had the opportunity, to talk to uh, Dr. Moffat. So let's go and listen to what Dr. Moffat had to say on this topic. Today we have Dr. Tina Moffat with us here today. Good morning, Dr. Tina Moffat, and welcome to the show. Uh, how are you? I am doing well, thank you. Uh, and good morning. It's actually good afternoon here in Canada, where I am. I see. Then good afternoon to you, too. And thank you again so much for your time today and sharing your expertise regarding this important topic. Um, on to our first question. Yeah, thank you. Um, our first question is, can you explain why nutrition is an integral part of childhood development? Yes. Uh, so nutrition is vital for uh, development, growth and development of the, uh, the brain, the body, the metabolic and immune systems. And um, mm-hmm. I should just, I would like to just point out that, that when we're talking about children, I think we need to really talk about the first thousand days as, as uh, really quite crucial. So the thir- first thousand days from conception up to about two years of age um, are really, really key because there's so much rapid growth and development going on in uh, both the brain and the body. And so um, th- these are really, I mean, we, nutrition is important at all stages of life for everyone. But if we want to really um, focus in on maybe one of the most crucial uh, periods in our life uh, cycle, it would be those first thousand days. Oh, I see. That's amazing. Um, that's amazing to know. And so it would be the first around three years, thousand days, um, why it would be important for a child. Um, that leads me to an, uh, my second question, and that is, uh, how does the cor- correct consumption of food help the child's development mentally and physically? You mentioned already how important it is that we have the right nutrition, but how does it uh, help us in that sense? Yes, so, I mean, nutrition is vital for the development of our, uh, as our, of our brain and body, as I just said. And um, without proper nutrition, of course, there are all sorts of deficiency diseases that can develop uh, in, in uh, you know, the early childhood. Um, but it's also really important for a lifelong health. So the first thousand days, again, um, particularly when um, in, in utero, when, when an infant is uh, developing as a fetus, um, all sorts of metabolic pathways are set up during that time. And um, without proper nutrition, these can actually sort of go off the rails, um, these, this development. And so um, some of the diseases actually that we see later in life that we think of as adult or you know, um, diseases of the elderly, like uh, cardiometabolic diseases, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, those are, are actually, um, you know, can be the result of uh, problems with early childhood nutrition. So um, when we're thinking about overall population health, um, we really have to think about what's happening in those first years. Um, and, and without proper nutrition, 
um, that they, you know, these kinds of diseases can develop and including uh, diseases related to mental health as well, as you mentioned, uh, mental health. So uh, anxiety and depression, um, you know, uh, other types of mental health diseases, disorders can actually be set in motion early on uh, if a child is not properly nourished. Thank you. Uh, that, that makes absolutely sense as well. And it shows how important this is, which leads me to also another question. There are families out there who have a lower income. So for those families, especially those from lower income households, uh, how can they monitor good food consumption when it comes to feeding their children and helping them that sense? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really challenging uh, problem because uh, because it is particularly right now with food inflation going on. I know you're experiencing that in the UK as we are in Canada. Um, <clears throat> it's it, and, and inflation all around as well, you know, uh, all sorts of other bills that people have to pay uh, have gone up, including rent and so forth. So um, it, it's becoming more challenging for low-income families to provide proper nutrition to, to their children um, and particularly things like lean meats, uh, high-quality proteins or, or, or plant-based, high-quality plant-based foods, uh, proteins, and, and produce, fruits and vegetables are um, increasingly more expensive to buy. And so, sadly, many low-income families will turn to uh, food that is less expensive um, and often it's more satisfying because it's got higher fat or sugar content. Um, if you have hungry children, you know, sometimes you want to just um, satiate them. You want to give them food that's going to fill them up, uh, you know, quickly. And so people turn to crisps and, and uh, sugar, you know, sweetened beverages and things that are maybe not all that expensive compared to some of the higher quality foods. Um, but obviously, in the long run, can really damage uh, the quality of their their children's nutritional well-being. So, um, really, you know, it, it, it's it, I, I don't want to say, oh, you know, you have to just, you know, um, you know, cut cut out other things and just, you know, put all your um, all your emphasis on buying high quality food because, again, that's hard for families who have a lot of competing costs. Um, but if there are ways that, that people can shop and try to um, find, you know, some, some bargains where they can um, get as much fresh produce and high-quality proteins as they can on sale, um, sometimes getting together with other families and buying foods in bulk is one, um, one way to go with that. Um, you know, lots of... Um, really think, unfortunately, really have to be creative and think hard about how to budget and how to um, be able to buy enough food uh, to feed your children um, and still, you know, have some some money obviously left over at the end of the day to pay your other bills. Um, so it, it is a challenge. Uh, and my heart goes out to families who are, are struggling even more now than they were before. That's and that's why, um, yeah, that's very helpful and interesting as well. Thank you so much. Um, so can something, can organizations such as obviously can schools, institutes such as, such as schools and government 
pay more, should schools and governments pay more heed when it comes to providing good nutrition at schools such as through school dinners? If so, how can they improve? That is a big question, um, and it's and it's an, I think it's probably one of the most important questions you've asked today because at the end of the day, we really need to support families, all families, but particularly those uh, living with low income, to um, really be able to prior prioritize the uh, nutritional well-being of their children. So we need governments to uh, have proper income supports, uh, enough income supports for um, for families with children, and um, that has been has been lagging uh, in you know across many uh, Western nations, including um, the UK and and Canada where I live, um, and because these income supports aren't keeping up with inflation. So government income supports are key, and I can't say it enough that um, when we talk about, you know, what we call food insecurity, where people are living uh, with not, without, uh, you know, secure uh, ways to, to buy nutritious food, um, it, it is really oftentimes an income problem, not so much a food problem. So we need to provide families with enough income to be able to afford nutritious food. We also have to have all those other uh, institutional supports, and you mentioned school food, which is key. Children spend uh, much of their day at school, and uh, they are eating food at school. Um, and so they, we, we need to make sure that the uh, quality of the food in the schools is, is as high as it can be. And, and again, that means that the government needs to spend that money in order to be able to provide uh, high-quality food in the schools. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, you know, the UK is ahead of Canada in this respect in that we don't actually even have school uh, meals in Canada. Uh, children have to bring their own food from home uh, to school in Canada. So we're, we don't even, we can, we're not even having that discussion yet about improving the quality of food in school in Canada because we don't have it here. Um, and I'm one of many um, professionals that is fighting to get uh, school meals in uh, Canada. But so we'll we'll leave Canada aside. But to the UK, I mean, I think you've been doing a good job in trying to improve the standards over the last couple of decades. Um, from what I understand, there's still, you know, more uh, more to do in the UK. Um, and certainly, if, if we think again, I go back to this issue, if we think about the lifelong population health of people and we think about, you know, reducing chronic diseases and so forth, we have to start with the children. We have to prioritize their nutrition. Um, and that means putting our resources uh, into uh, school food, for example. Yes, thank you. That's actually very helpful because, as you said, um, children are, uh, it's important to give them the right food as they are the future generation for our society. Talking about children as well, with childhood obesity on the rise, what steps can be taken as a society to improve our attitude towards good eating habits so that future generations can benefit? Yes. So child obesity um, is, is, has been a problem for some decades now, uh, and it's uh, and I will say like right off the top, there's no 
quick fix for 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 this uh, issue. Um, you know, a lot of it again is connected to a food system which we have in in many Western countries where um, we have you know very unnutritious food uh, food you know um, uh, sugar sweetened beverages and and high fat uh, high sodium snacks um, that are very cheap to buy and they've really become uh, something that everyone can get hold of very easily and they become just sort of normalized as the food that you know children should eat so children should be eating uh, chips and crisps and candy or sweets uh, you know that those are, are considered children's food um, and and we really have to turn that around culturally I think we have to stop thinking about children as um, you know it's okay for them to eat this kind of food um, we don't have you don't have to worry about that till you get older uh, you know don't have to you know so forth you know think about about nutritious food so we have to change that um, I also want to emphasize though that we really don't want to go into this whole kind of dieting um, culture for kids because um, that can just really lead to eating disorders uh, for children and, and later on as adolescents and adults. And uh, really, no good comes of dieting. So we really don't want to focus on individual children. You know, oh, you look overweight, you have to lose weight. We really want to think about just healthy eating for all children and why it's so important. You know, obviously, obesity is one part of that. But overall, there are many good reasons why we should be eating nutritious food. And so while we don't want to villainize the you know, the sweets, it's okay to have those sorts of things, you know, once in a while as treats. They can't be everyday food for children. And so that's what we really have to turn around. And that happens in the schools. Uh, it happens in the community. It has to happen uh, in popular culture as well, where we really start uh, emphasizing the importance of healthy eating, uh, lots of fruits and vegetables, plant-based foods, high-quality proteins, um, and, and get away from the kind of obsession with weight reduction and really just think about um, what it means to eat healthy food as a normal everyday practice. Thank you so much um, for, your, for your very helpful information today. Oh, you're most welcome. I'm, it's always um, happy to talk about this uh, issue, and I, I appreciate that you're uh, focusing on it for your show.
listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show. Um, with myself, Kanyum, joining me is brother Shahil and brother Asim. And we were just listening to a interview with Dr. Moffat, who was um, sharing her expertise um, on the topic of the morning, which is what we were basically talking about, the nutritional benefits uh, to for, for the children. And the question is that we're discussing is, are we doing enough for the development of our young children? And, you know, before we go on to uh, the next, jump on to the next topic, which is um, artificial intelligence um, and uh, will artificial intelligence transform religion? Um, I think it would be uh, good if we could kind of wrap up um, the, the the topic of of, uh, um, of whether we are doing enough um, for the development of our children. Um, I hand over to the two young fathers um, and to you know to to kind of give it a bit of a conclusion, gentlemen. Uh, you know, Guillaume, um doing enough. Um, I think you should uh, we should know that every parent, every father, mother, they would do everything for the child. Of course, sometimes mistakes will happen, but I think uh, the most concerning thing for them is as soon as they become parents is the child. Mm. And they will do everything that he has the good or she has a healthy life. And um, for the upbringing, they would take, I mean, they would sacrifice as well. They would leave out their own wishes only to make their children happy. And so I think. If it comes to parents, parents are concerned and parents will do everything. Even if a child is healthy, doing good, they will still looking after them. Um, for example, we have the strep A um, um, virus going around. And so many parents, I myself, I'm very scared of, about this as well. And sometimes I'm thinking, should I uh, let my son go to the nursery or not? And so in this regard, you make so many notes, you make so many th uh, plans to, uh, how to help him, how to uh, make sure that he stays healthy as well. In every regard, nutrition, uh, academic, or uh, health. I've seen it, I've seen it by myself, I've seen it by, from, from my father as well, I've seen it from different parents as well. Parents are trying. They're doing a lot of things. Of parents are human beings, human being will make mistakes as well, but they will learn from them as well. Um, but of course, um, I'm very happy to know that the government is concerned about this as well, and I'm sure the government will help as well. I don't. The only thing I need um, is that safety for the children. Yes, when a child is going playing outside, I want my child to be safe. Mm. Second thing is I want to, uh, to know that they have good education as well. I know we're um, living here in the West, and we can uh, the West can provide one of the best education to a children to a child. Secondly, what I want is also that social media, <coughs> I'm not saying that social media should be so, but it should be, someone should looking after social media as well. Not only the parents, but it should be looked by the government as well. What it should happening. be regulated. Yes. Hmm. It should be looked, I mean, we should, parents somehow should know that what is happening, what is happening right on social media without even watching. Because some parents, unfortunately, are not in the same level if it comes to, uh, like, um, the new development or and uh, therefore, I want uh, that the government or anyone should look, uh, have a look on the social media as well. It, would be, it should be a very nicely, childly environment on social media. That's what I want as well. And I want, as I said, parents should be, even if they are, let's say, you know, 80, 70, 
still should be uh, know how to use WhatsApp or mobile or the laptop. This is very important, but the parents should be also educated in some manners as well. So there are so many, I don't know, I have so many things I could share, but I think these are the main for me. Um, so Guillaume, um, the topic should be, uh, should be more done for the early development of children, right? Hmm. Um, in my opinion, parents need to do more. Hmm. I, I would not totally say that, you know, they're doing a great job. Uh, we are in a really difficult era of the social media, phones, 24-7 on the phones. Um, you've got toddlers just doing their own stuff sometimes, you know. And I think, of course, it's not easy. Parents are not like, I, I just become a parent two years ago. It's not like I have prior knowledge of of everything on how to bring up a child. Nobody, ever, nobody ever does. Exactly, yeah. So, But, but I think Pushail made the point as well. <clears throat> One thing um, I always always say to people, I said, in, in, in especially from a parenting point of view, it is paramount that the father is present mm -hmm. and active Absolutely. in the role of the child. Yeah. In, on on radio stations, like even on Voice of Islam, um, we 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 tend to focus on motherhood a lot, mm -hmm. and fatherhood tends to get missed out. Um, but it's paramount that a male figure. Uh, is is actively present in the upbringing of the children and and showing love and friendship and building links and 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 to be understanding towards the challenges of the children but sometimes parents get so lost in dealing with their challenges they forget that those same challenges mm. are on the children that they are looking mm. to bring up yeah and there is never a age where you can't learn. Absolutely. Yeah. My mother is 83, and she uses the iPad better than I can. <laughs> she learned because, again, in order for her to engage with her grandchildren, WhatsApp and the telegrams and all of this stuff was, a par was paramount. We need to come out of our comfort zone, basically. That's right. It's a must. It's, it's a not, must, yeah. there used to be a choice. Ah, it's okay, we'll deal with it. Yeah. No. Because, as you said, Brother Shahil, social media is something that's just there. You can't get rid of it. Yeah, you, you can control it, can control. but you can't say, oh, it's not, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, um, it's, uh, it's an incident of Sirzu Fula Khansa. He once visited the fourth caliph, and he was watching television with uh, his daughters. And the Fula Khansa, he, um, I won't say he was strict, but he thought that this is a way of uh, time, time wasting and he shouldn't watch this because it's very harmful as well. And you know, you know in regards of social media, uh, the fourth caliph said that, listen, if I won't show them television, if they're not watching uh, movies, they will watch them behind my back somewhere else. Hmm. No, social media is providing so many things. Go study social media and provide those things in your environment hmm. by children so they don't have to go to social media. Bring them out, tell them that what they are looking on social media, you can give them as well. This is what I'm, I've learned and this is what I've learned from this incident as well, that we should, instead of um, hiding it from our children because they, they're going to find ways to watch them anyways, go and look in social media, study them and bring it into your home. So it's a question of 
ensuring your children know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And have the confidence to challenge yeah. a narrative that's being thrown at them mm. on social media. Right, yeah. Because th there seems to be a lot of lack of confidence in, 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 in a lot of our children I see sometimes who are coming up. It's like social media is turning them into sheep. Mm. Follow, 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 yeah. Yeah. not yeah. lead. Yeah, follow them. And this is yeah, and this is very important because I'm be honest. So many children have become have taken role models of influencer who are just they're just normal people like us. Hmm. They are just on an, an, an one idea. They just put it on social media. They got many clips and they became famous. And since then, she said, "Follow me, follow me." Yeah, leave an abuck sector. They don't want any someone friends. They just want someone who can follow them. Mm. And unfortunately, our children are following, taking them as let's say role model. Yeah. And this is where father and mother should step in, saying, "I'm your role model," but not just saying it. I think that's you are hundred percent correct. Parents don't look. In, I'm I'm old boy, old generation. In our generation, we were fathers were our role model, or um, we talked of we had a person who was. Um, You mentioned uh, Sir Zafrullah Khan. Mm. The academics, people who were doing something for the world yeah. in a in a positive manner. We that we they, they, our role models uh, had actually achieved something for humanity, Indeed. had done something. Today, an influencer of you know what you wear or what you can not wear or what you drive is the role model, and and that has to change. Mm. It has to change. I mean, unfortunately, you know, um, I have nothing ag against social media, but the only thing is that some influencers, most of them, I'm not saying every one of them, but most influencers are just taking opportunity for them. They're not looking for their followers. They just want to make money. And unfortunately, I don't know if it'd be harsh, but if some follower is following those people who are just looking for themselves, they should realize how dangerous this could be for themselves as well. If, because at one point, they will find out that the follow, uh, that influencer is not good for them. And this will ruin their life as well. So instead of going uh, following someone who is not taking care of you, you should look at your parents. Because parents are your first role models. They have been your first role models. And they already do so many things. But parents also should... Allow them to give them the opportunity, to, like I said, not to know what, what what is happening in social media. Study social media and bring social media into your house. Be 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 influencer influencer for your children. Hmm? Also, brother Kim, to be a role model, you would need some sort of knowledge. You know, hmm. if a if a child comes and asks a question and you don't know the answer to, they're just going to go to the social media or internet and hmm. you know get the answer. Maybe it's right or wrong. What 100% this notion that Uncle Google knows everything is mm. it needs to disappear. It, it is it needs to challenge because Uncle Google is just an opinion yeah. of so many different people. But I think from 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 a community point of view, I think we are so lucky in that sense. Where be it a parent or being a child, we have the guidance of the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah and the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, may Allah strengthen his hand. Where, you know, if if. If you look at the different platforms that uh, that uh, his sermons and some of the the, the interviews that uh, uh, get published, uh, I remember you know he's done some very frank um, uh, interviews uh, which were published in Review of Religions, um, where um, and and some of the virtual um, uh, audiences mm -hmm. that uh, some of the youth and some of the young ladies uh, have had with him 
over the past couple of years. And some of the questions that, that he has tackled head on, um, you know, about sex, drugs, rock and roll, how to deal with the modern day challenges of social media. His Holiness is there present, guiding us. Mm. So when we talk of our parents say, oh, we didn't know where to look, mm. <laughs> that, that reason isn't viable anymore. It's not acceptable. It's no. not acceptable anymore because His Holiness is forever present mm. in, in helping guide the youth and the parents, um, uh, you know, into, into again, um, developing leaders and not sheep. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we, you are listening to The Breakfast Show with myself, Kayu and Brother Asim, Brother Shahir. We're going to take a very, very, very quick break. When we come back, we're going to go on and briefly discuss where uh, God and robots will um, um, AI transform religion. Um, is Star Trek really going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> so do stay tuned. We'll be right back after a very brief message. A new station, the voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam. Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show. You're listening to myself, Kayu, and Brother Shahil and Brother Asim. Um, Brother Shahil, mm -hmm. um, what is the gist of this story? So the gist is the BBC put forth video in regards to how AI has become involved in crucial parts of faith such as prayer, worship, and even in the delivery of sermons. This program will discuss to what extent technology should be part of our personal lives, especially when it comes to shaping our faith and beliefs. Um, well, I suppose going back to AI, I suppose, would, would you declare Zoom AI? Or is that something different? Or is, that, is modern technology different from AI? Or is it the same part and parcel of the same thing? There, there is a boundary, right, to AI. There is, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But would would is is AI modern technology? It would be, wouldn't it? It, it, it is. It is modern. Technology. So if one was to look at the pandemic, mm -hmm. if it wasn't for AI, the Word of God, and the sermons of the Holy Pro uh, the sermons of His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Muhammad the Fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand, he has managed to reach every single household, mm. every single Ahmadi household on the face of this earth. In fact, every single person across the world on MTA, on virtual meetings, through Voice of Islam, through, through so many different platforms, which are part and parcel of the, the you know, new development. And isn't Islam a progressive religion who welcomes anything, any new development which, is, which will benefit humanity? Indeed it is. I mean, you know, Islam is a simple religion. Islam is basically telling you that because you're being a part of this world, so you need this world as well, but you need your face as well. So you need both things to progress. You know, we, we, we offer this prayer every day, Rabbana atina fit dunya hasanatum wa fil akhirati hasanatum wa kina Allah gave us blessings in this world, but also in the hereafter and save us from the hellfire. So we need both hmm. to save from the hellfire. Now, you mentioned Zoom. Let's consider Zoom is the worldly thing. Mm -hmm. And the world these things is basically serving us to um, take benefit from the faith, right? Mm -hmm. So this is what Islam is basically telling us, that when you are part of this world, make sure that the world is saving, serving you and is helping you to bring forth uh, faith to other people, but also that it should increase you in spirituality. So Islam has always uh, told us that not be a slave of the world, but make sure that the world is like the world is helping you, serving you to uh, increase in spirituality, but also helping you to uh, spread out the true worth of Islam to other people. So this is what basically Islam meant. 
uh, is meant when Islam is talking about world that how we should take benefit. But we can't say it is wrong to say that. Oh no, we don't need worldly desire. We don't need worldly think. Uh, and it is also wrong to say that uh, we should take any benefit from it because, as I said, we are part of this world anyways. And not taking benefit of these is totally wrong as well. Absolutely. I mean, if you say, oh, we're not going to use Zoom and. We'll just use some walkie-talkies, you know? <laughs> so, we just scream to each other. Yeah. Hey, listen, nothing wrong with walkie-talkies, right? In my, in my day, that was artificial intelligence. That was, in, my, in my day, walkie-talkie was a big invention, okay? It still is. <laughs> it, it was one of the modern mode of communications for us. But artificial intelligence, new developments, you know, whatever it may be, this notion that they are going to be taking over or they're going to have an impact on faith, isn't it, aren't we giving artificial intelligence more credit than it's due? Um, you know, I have watched the video BBC has, BBC has uh, just aired about this artificial intelligence. I just wanted to know how it's working, giving sermons, etc. Giving, you know, um, like giving advices to people. Is, Islam says advice, 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 or remind, 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 remind. Guidance. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 guidance. You can leave guidance out. Mm -hmm. Just just right now to advise that. Okay. To do this, do this, or uh, to remind them, oh, you should do that, do that as well, etc. This is what if a robot come, can, in, come, can, you know, uh, come in, into our life. Mm -hmm. If it comes in this way into our life, it's good. Mm -hmm. Reminding us or advising us, oh, you should do that, you should do that, etc. But also when it comes to reminding or advising, it's also said that you should use your wisdom. Now, I've seen the videos, you know, there's one robot uh, uh, and he, he knows all the verses from the Bible. And someone comes to him and asks him one question, he will quote that verse. No, Islam is not just about Quran, it's also about the practice of Tali Prophet, it's also about the saints. Because if you can't understand the Quran, you need someone who can teach you, explain you the different words. So that robot or that, that artificial intelligence wasn't able to explain him the verses. So in that thing, that, therefore, you need someone also who can teach you the practice of the Prophet, for example, as well. So it needs essence, emotion, practicalities. It needs a soul. Yeah. And it has no soul, so I don't think it can replace an imam or a priest or a, a rabbi, rabbi. But as I said, if it's constantly reminding someone, we can, we can obviously we should. Because it's a program it's under a program, the day, yes. which, which is being put in there by a human being. It could also have a side effect, you know, on people. Yeah. Um, people might not seek knowledge anymore. Because or they'll be like, okay, this robot knows everything. It's fine. You can just ask him. Well, it's the modern day of Google, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Which is moving around a robot. Yeah. But then artificial intelligence is in our world already, isn't it? I mean, our phones. Um, you know, AI is mm. in is in our phones. It's yeah. in our cars. Mm -hmm. It's in the technology that we use in our homes. In fact, it's part and parcel of the social media that we were talking against, or looking at the negative aspects of. Uh, social media, which uses artificial intelligence within um, uh, within its uh, in industry to reach out to people. So, artificial intelligence is a core part of how we live our lives already, isn't it? Yeah, if, if, like for for example, mobile mm -hmm. or laptop. Um, if you want to, you know, internet 
provides you so many things. You can go on any site, like allislam.org, dear listeners, is one of the websites of the Ahmadi Muslim community where you can learn a lot about Islam. If if I want to learn about Islam, I go into that site, you know, I just open the book of the Prophet Messiah, I read that book. If I need to copy something, I copy it from there. Um, if I need a reference from any caliph, I can't find it from there. So this is, in this sense, I said, uh, this is how we take part, uh, good benefit from the world. Yes, the artificial intelligence is made, made by the world. So, in this sense, artificial intelligence is serving me, helping me to increase my, my knowledge, which is good. So, this is why I said we can take good part of it, a good advantage of it. But, of course, um, as, as I think, um, as Asim uh, already said, that sometimes if you, if, or you also said that, you are getting so relaxed with these things. Oh, okay, I got this artificial. Just ask him; he will tell me anything. Right, right, yeah. I'll just start believing it. This is obviously wrong, and that's why I said, you know, our belief is not just by. Uh, uh, it's not based on the Holy Quran. It is based on the Holy Quran, but it is uh, support supported by the practice of the Holy Prophet and also by the sayings of the Holy Prophet peace upon him. And without them, you you can't understand any verse. And you need these things. And, and artificial intelligence and the robot, he can't explain it to you. He can't. He just will quote that verse and say, "Okay, that's it." But you need someone to make uh, to make you understand what this verse basically meant and how. You know, every verse you need to know when this verse was revealed and why it was revealed also. And uh, this is something you can only learn from the books and the writings of prophets and the caliphs. Artificial intelligence. He will not provide you anything with wisdom. He will not tell you how the practice of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was. He will not tell you what the saying is saying in regards of this as well. So, and of course, in that moment, he will not feel with you as well because you don't know which pa which situation you are. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you in pain? Do you need any support? Sorry, that AI will not give you that kind of support as well. Well, AI can't feel, can it? Yeah, that's not so. So basically, um, AI is a good start. It's it's important as well, but of course there has to be a step afterwards. Hmm. What, what your opinions are? If you actually believe in it, you know, just not believe it blindly. Like um, it, it is a good technology. Like even the empty Muslim community, for example, you know, recently launched their website Open Quran. Okay. Uh, HolyQuran.io. Mm -hmm. So basically, this website allows text-based search of the Holy Quran in Arabic, Urdu, and English, but also a more advanced feature such as uh, support for synonyms. So if you basically look for a word of alcohol or liquor, you will be returned a result that contains the term wine. So it, it is a good. Um, you could call it artificial intelligence for us. Artificial, artificial, which is AI, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> but then, artificial intelligence, AI can't tell us the purpose of our life, can it? Yeah. Again, this goes back to simply, I mean, I think you put it in the best way, uh, Shahil. It has no soul. No, it has no soul. I mean, you know, the important is that to telling the way of life, you need to understand how the people actually feel as well. Hmm. As I said before, if we feel sad, you can't tell him how to be happy. Because you don't know how he feels right now. You don't know. You, you can't see it from his face. You know, sometimes we see from uh, just by looking for a person that how he's feeling right now. If he's happy, if he's unhappy, if he's going to anxiety, depression, exactly. And artificial intelligence can't give you that, and therefore he can't tell you how to live your life. So, so the question is: Will technology 
have and or AI have an influence upon faith? I think it will have an influence, mm. but I think it depends on again going back to what you said, Shahil, and what you said, Asim. It's end of the day. It's what information you put, and what how you utilize AI. End yeah. of the day, yeah. it's going to be a human who's going to be in charge of programming or developing or what is the nowadays is algorithms. Mm -hmm. it, no matter which uh, equation you pick up, it is it, it the, the 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 beginning point is a human being. So the the understanding and the belief system of the person who's actually doing the work is is more important, isn't it? Here, it is. I mean, can artificial intelligence tell you how to live a successful life as a believer or as a human being? As a definition, yes. In in practical in practicalities, no. No, you can't. And then you need both, right? Yeah. You got, got, uh, well, again, it goes back to what you said earlier. The Holy the God, God Almighty, is the perfect being. The Holy Quran is the perfect book. The embodiment of the Holy Quran is the practices That's and right. the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So, again, it is a amalgamation, the word of God and the practical. practicality. Yeah. So, it, because Islam is a living is a practical religion, mm, isn't it? It is. And uh, you need both of it. Um, for example, right, um, we would never know how to offer our prayers if, we, if the Holy Prophet wouldn't show it to his companions. And the companions carried on the practice until it reached us, and we will carry on as well. And there are some other many things as well that um, we don't know until we know. Like, we know it, it is there, but we don't know how to act upon it until we, uh, we see it by the practice. And now, now it is... And God has always sent someone, yes, a reformer, anyone who could chose a practice. If some like when the practice would be like gone, Allah would make sure that He would send someone who would not like He would practice it, show the practice how it is. And today we have the Caliph, right? we have the His Holiness of the Muslim, may Allah be helpful, who's uh, head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. So if something we don't know how to use it or how to act upon that, we have the Holy Prophet. Uh, sorry, we have the Caliph. Who shows it? Because you know the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. He said that it is my practice. Then it is a practice of my of my uh, um, successors, and then it is a practice of my Messiah, and the practice of his successors, which will basically the same practice. It will reach out till uh, um, the, 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 the till the time of the uh, uh, successor of the Prophet Messiah, who will act upon the same practice. So if there's no one who can guide you or tell you how to act upon that. Religion will get lost as well. You won't stop acting on that and you will have no interest into religion because you will not understand several verses as well. So these are things very important. Brother Asim, can I yes. ask you to sum up the topic for us, please? Yes. So, I mean, as we have mentioned that um, AI is important, but... Um, to practice, you know, as, as one example, you know, we uh, did a segment this year about um, Saudi Arabia um, doing some virtual stuff uh, where you can go and see the Kaaba, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, as we can see, I, I've, I've been to the Umrah, okay. So you can't get the same feeling of touching the Kaaba in uh, virtual, you know. 
So there's a difference. Uh, people might say, okay, we're just going to like, go to the virtual or see the car. Okay, there's no need to go to Saudi Arabia and to Umrah. Yeah, because the, the key word being virtual. Yeah. It yeah. is the closest thing they say is mm. to the real thing, but it ain't the real thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. End of the day, it ain't the real thing. So, you know, to maybe pretend to touch, uh, um, you know, the Holy Kaaba and to actually touch mm. the Holy Kaaba, two different it's, it's things. It's a big difference, yeah. yeah. You have been listening to myself, you and brother Shahil and brother Asim. We have been talking about um, what we can do uh, to, um, or the question we've been discussing is, are we doing enough um, for the development of our children and the future generations and the leaders of this society? And we spoke to so many different experts who shed lights on the nutritional and the um, holistical um, remedial um, aspects of uh, autism and all these different um, global developmental delays that uh, sometimes children tend to um, experience and the challenges faced by parents. Um, we also spoke to nutritional experts from around the world, from USA, um, uh, who also gave us some sound advice on how um, nutrition needs to be part and parcel um, of our everyday life because good nutrition leads to good health, um, good health leads to good thinking. Um, and of course, um, mental health and physical health go hand in hand. And uh, we've also been discussing whether um, artificial intelligence will be um, uh, or will have an effect on the way we um, practice our faiths. Today's program has been uh, um, produced and researched by Khafi uh, Latif, Malahat Atta, Hania. Saleha, Halima, Raki Khan, and Kanta. Tomorrow, Brother uh, Tokir and Brother Valid um, will be uh, joining you in the morning, and they will be discussing honeybee lifespans are 50% shorter today, and limiting global warming um, can preserve valuable freshwater resource. If you want to contribute to any of their shows, um, the number to call 0208-687-7878, or join us, um, or join them tomorrow, um, on the social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK or feel free to call, feel free to send in your questions or queries or opinions um, via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk I want to thank or I want to thank Brother Shahil and Brother uh, Asim for joining me this morning uh, I want to thank all of our guests who took time out and, uh, and shed some valuable light um, on the topics that we discussed today um, and of course I want to thank you uh, for listening in, um, and uh, I hope we have uh, um, we have uh, kind of uh, what what have we done today? Have we given them a good breakfast show this morning? Uh, I'm not sure. It's, uh, not sure. Uh, totally. Uh, not <laughs> sure. Depending on the listeners. Not sure. We have All right, is yeah. the answer. Yes, we have. We have. I hope we have. I pray we have. Um, please forgive any shortcomings on our behalf. Please remember us in your prayers. It is cold out there. Uh, please be safe, be warm, um, and make sure that you have everything you need just in case um, you get stuck. Um, until we meet again, again, I will request for prayers. Until we meet again, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.